Give Jesus an ovation of worship right now. What an, what an incredible honor it is to be with each and every one of you guys and my friends, Levi and Jenny Lusko, um, two of the most amazing communicators, but uh, equally awesome dressers. <laughs> I like had to, I, I struggled. What was I going to wear? And uh, this was it. Um, so I was like, I'm a little colorblind. So I was like, what should I wear? And my wife was like, black. I was like, yes, that's it. That's it. That's, I just need fake tattoos now. Um, you're the only person who's ever made me want to get a tattoo. And um, I'm doing it. Um, I think, it, I think it'll speak to people. I think people will say, oh, look, he has a past. Um, <laughs> I'm playing. You guys can sit down. You guys can sit down. What an honor it is to be with you. Uh, Fresh Life is, uh, is world-renowned, and we're not just watching at all of our campuses right now. We actually have thousands of people watching online. Here's what's cool for me is I have been in the online family, the Fresh Life online family, and today I get to stand on the stage. So this is a pretty awesome thing for me. So I'm actually a part of the church as well. So... If you're watching online right now, here's what I want you to do. Give us your first name and then shout out where you're watching from. Um, our team online will actually pray for you, um, and especially when your name pops up. They're going to speak your name out. They're going to pray for you, and uh, we want to connect with you, and uh, we want you to join a Zoom group. I mean, you can be, I love that you can be a part of this church from anywhere in the world. I think that's amazing. I think it's just incredible. And, uh, and what you guys did during the COVID season to encourage so many people during 2020, I was one of those recipients. And uh, I want to tell you this, and I, I didn't know if I was going to tell you or not, but um, you, you, uh, pastor, your pastor, Pastor Levi, um, created a problem uh, for my family. Uh, you, your book, Swipe Right, uh, was required reading for my teenage daughters. Uh, I was like, you have to read this uh, before you date. Um, I'm a gun owner, okay? And so, it, like, I'm, you're going you're gonna to read this because I don't want to have to shoot somebody without just cause. So read this book. She brought it, Jesse brought it to her 11th grade class and just set it on her desk, because Jess is not scared at all. And uh, girls started reading the cover of it, and there's some, like, it's, uh, it's a provocative, it's some, some provocative wording there on the cover, like, um, hey, if you want to have great sex or something, read this. And, uh, and they were like, what are you reading? And she was like, you need to read it. And she ended up getting that book for a bunch of girls in her high school, so it, it got her in a little trouble, but it was ultimately impactful, so... What an incredible honor it is to be with you guys, man. I, I love it. And I wish I could just go around to every campus. I wish I could go around to every home and, and just tell you how incredible it is um, to be a part of what God is doing at Fresh Life. And, um, and I, I, I will tell you this. I don't, I don't know if you've ever had just a, had a rough day, just had a bad day. Anybody ever had a, just a, a tough day? The other day, um, I, got a, uh, I got pulled over. Um, it's never fun to see the blue lights in the rearview mirror. That's when you start praying. Many of you, that's the only time you pray. Like, oh God, right now, please have mercy. And uh, I was, uh, I don't know if you guys deal with this in, in whatever area that you're in, but I live in Houston, Texas, a Pastor Hope City in Houston, Texas. It's a big city, and we have an HOV lane. That's a high occupancy vehicle lane. And I was going in that high occupancy vehicle lane because there was so much traffic in the other lanes, and I was in the HOV lane uh, by myself. And uh, so... Got pulled over, and the officer walked up, and he's in it. He's got a cowboy hat on, so he walks up, he walks up, and uh, he says, "You know why I pulled you over?" And I was like, "Why?" I knew why, but I wanted, I was hoping maybe it was something different. And um, <laughs> pastor, it's good to see you. God bless you. Um, that, that's what I was hoping for. And he said, "You know, you're in the HOV lane, and uh, and you're by yourself." And and it just hit me. I looked at him. I said, "Well, I'm a pastor, and uh, Jesus is in here." I am never alone. <laughs> he gave me a ticket. Um, anyway, but, uh, but it hit me, and I thought about that. No matter, no matter what we go through, you may feel 
by yourself, but you are never alone, even in the hardest places in your life. So, so this weekend, this weekend or whatever day of the week later on that you're watching this, I, I want to preach to you on this subject, hope in a hard place. Because I believe you can find hope in the middle of a hard place. I mean, you're here, okay? It's not 2020 anymore. You survived the hardest year of most of our lives. So, so you, you, you understand that I can walk through it and have hope on the other side of it. But sometimes in the midst of it, it's hard. It's hard to see that. We're gonna read out of the book of Genesis, chapter 28. We're gonna talk about Jacob. And to give you a little context, Jacob, Jacob's life started wrong. Everything in his life um, in fact, before he was even born, he had a war with his brother Esau in the womb. And the Bible says he, he loses the battle. He's born second because if you understand Jewish culture, um, the firstborn pretty much gets everything. He has the birthright blessing. He has all the blessings from his father. And the secondborn is pretty much the backup kid. And he's born second. His mother names him, uh, they, his family names him Jacob, which means heel grabber or supplanter which you got it, you got it, it's like literally like cheater. It's like, thanks, mom. Can you imagine, like, come here, liar, so good to see you, come here. Like this, it's, it's a bad, <laughs> it's bad, and he, he makes it worse. He exploits his brother's birthright. He tricks his father out of the blessing later on in his life. And we pick up the story, Gen Genesis 28, 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Everybody say, he stopped. stopped. I love that. We'll come back to it, but I want you to remember that. He stopped for the night because the sun had set, and taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head, and he lay down to sleep. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a horrible day, but this is a pretty bad day. Like, I've had bad I've stayed in terrible places before. I don't know if y'all have ever stayed in a bad hotel, but it's... There's little worse than a bad hotel except for a bad Mexican restaurant. There's, there's a bad hotel like, and a bad pillow. A bad, but I've never had to use a rock. Like It's been like, ah, oh, well, I'm going to go to sleep. What am I going to, ah, here's a stone. That, that looks comfy. This is how bad it is. And maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe, maybe you're in a bad space. Maybe, maybe you haven't been super open with it, but maybe you're here, you're sitting in the campus or you're sitting watching online and when somebody says, how you doing, you say fine. But really you're sleeping in separate bedrooms because your marriage is a wreck. Or maybe, you, maybe you're the one who always tells people, it's gonna be all right, but you're wondering on the inside, is it really? And the key is you have to be honest in the hard place. You have to actually open up and say, hey, I, not only am I having a bad day, I feel like I'm having a bad life right now. Do you know it's okay to not be okay? The, the challenge is we are so not good at this. What's funny to me is sometimes, can I talk to the people that, aren't, that don't go to church, the non-churchy people? The non-churchy people, sometimes you guys are so much more honest than Christians. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe you're here for the very first time or maybe you're watching online for the first time and when somebody says, how you doing? You say, I'm doing terrible. But church people, we sometimes get conditioned. How you doing? Blessed and highly favored. I'm the first and not the last. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm too blessed to be distressed, too anointed to be disjointed, disappointed. God don't answer email. He answers an email. Come on, somebody. I mean, and it's, and it's, just, God, it's just not true. At some point, we have to be able to look at each other and say, hey, I'm dealing with a lot of pain. God deliver us from social media syndrome. You know, where we just, 
Or we live our lives on this timeline and we only show the highlight reel and we never show the behind the scenes. If you follow me on Instagram, and I'm not saying you have to follow me on Instagram, but it's at Jeremy Foster. But if you, <laughs> if you do, it's all encouraging. I don't post bad days. Now, A, I'm a pretty encouraging guy. Like, if you're going to be around me, I want to pump you up. I want to fire you up. I want you to have a great day. Like, if you come up to me and say, hey, how you doing? I'm probably going to say, I'm doing good. How are you? And I really want to know. You ever been around somebody who says, how you doing? And you start telling them and they don't want to know. <laughs> I really want to know. But, but I have bad days, but I don't highlight those. Like, I don't pull, like, when my wife and I are in a fight, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna Instagram live this. Hey, hey, guys, wife's screaming at me right now. <laughs> oh, babe, can't use those words on Instagram live, you know. <laughs> Why don't we do that? Because we don't want people to know that we really go through pain. But if you wanna be healed, you actually have to be honest about where you are right now. The most peculiar story, I think Jesus has the greatest sense of humor of all time. If you don't believe me, just look at the person next to you. I'm playing, that was it. <laughs> Some of y'all actually did it and laughed in their faces. That was super rude. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is leaving Jericho and as he's leaving Jericho, a couple of blind guys start yelling out for him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus slows down, calls them over, has the blind guys walk over to him and then he says this, and guys, if it's your first time hearing me, I promise you the real preacher will be back next week, okay? You'll just have to forgive me but this is my sense of humor. Verse 32, Jesus stopped and called them and says, hey guys, what do you want me to do for you? You gotta know the disciples are like, ah, ooh. Ah, hey, um, hey Jesus, <laughs> they blind. <laughs> like, you didn't see the glasses and the cane and the dog, they, like they, they can't see, like they walked up like this and you're saying, hey guys, what do you need? <laughs> So the question becomes, did Jesus need to ask them that question? Or did they need to answer? If you're in the presence of the answer, it's okay to ask a question. How can I ever be healed if I don't explore the depths of my brokenness? And who better to explore the depths of my brokenness with than the one who can fix it? But at some point... We've got to actually be honest with it. I think, I think we get so mixed up in, in chasing other people's comments and other people's captions and get so lost in social media. I think sometimes it becomes a distraction for us. We don't have to worry about our own problems so I can get in a fight with this person online and I can get in an argument with this person online and I can try to find somebody to agree with me here. But what if you just turned it all off and just sat in the silence of your own pain for a minute? Just sat with it and stop denying that I have a problem. When they came to Jesus, they had a problem. It was obvious. Everybody could see it. But can you imagine how weird it would have been if they'd have rolled up to Jesus and he said, what can I do for you? And they were like, oh, Jesus, we're good. Can you take a selfie with us? We'd like to post it on the timeline. We think we'd get a lot of traction, a lot of comments off of being with the son of the living God. I wonder if some of us aren't the same way. We come in with such a need, such a desperation, but we act like we're okay. At some point, we gotta be honest in the hard place. We gotta say, hey, I'm broken. Is it okay if I'm just super transparent with you guys? Hey, I'm not okay. I'm not okay right now. We all came through 2020. 
Hey, we all came through 2020. None of us are okay. All of us are still a little freaked out. How many of y'all, you don't, I don't know where I'm supposed to wear a mask, when I'm supposed to wear a mask. I can't breathe in that thing. How many of y'all suck that thing in halfway down your throat? You look, look at somebody and you're getting ready to say, hey, you're like, oh, that's happening. I'm not okay. We all spent way more time with our families than we wanted to last year. Some of y'all are like, homeschool, sure. And now you're like, never again. No, as, as funny as I make it, I, I'm telling the truth. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when everybody's going to come back to church. Our church was crushing it. I mean, we were reaching thousands upon tens of thousands of people. Now we're reaching hundreds of tens. <laughs> I'm playing. We're still reaching thousands online, but we don't know how many are going to come to. We lost two campuses during this season. We don't know if they're coming back or not. I haven't told our church. Hopefully, they're not watching. We don't know. <laughs> Love you, <laughs> pastors. Pastors being honest. <laughs> at some point, guys, at some point, we got to just open up and go, okay, all right, even, even if I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to have the answers, I don't. I work for the answer. Last time I checked, I'm not the answer. Don't just follow me. Follow him. The Bible never says get a relationship with the church and you'll find rest. We want you to be in a group. I want you to get in a Zoom group. You can do that all over the world. If you're watching in China right now, you can be in a fresh life group. You can get in a group. But the Bible never says come to groups and I will give you rest. I want you to come to a physical campus. If you're in one of the 50 states that you guys are in, you guys are everywhere. Y'all have like 29,000 campuses. But if you're anywhere close to a fresh life campus, I want you to get to a campus. But the Bible never says come to church and you'll find rest. I want you to follow Pastor Levi and Jenny. I want you to follow them on social media. I get fed by you guys. I want you to buy their books. I mean, Fight the Flourish, hello. I mean, just, I've got the merch. I wore a Fight the Flourish shirt the other day. I was like, what's up? Yeah, what does that mean? People are like, what does that mean? I was like, buy the book and you'll find out. <laughs> but the Bible never says, follow Levi and Jenny, let's go. And you'll find rest. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are burdened and weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I love, and sometimes, sometimes rest will surprise you. I love that Jacob stopped and he rested. He gave God quite possibly the greatest gift that he could give him, and that was silence. And that was just stopping because Jacob is just plowing, he's just trying to, he's just, he is scrappy. I love Jacob and all of his mistakes and all of his failures and all of his mess-ups. He's scrappy and he's fighting to get what he can and he finally has to stop. And maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Hey, when was the last time the word that God gave you was stop, rest? I love your pastor because he preaches a lot about rest and he knows how to do it well, rest. He hasn't always known how to do that well. You gotta learn, you gotta, you gotta fight to rest. You gotta work towards your rest. And sometimes you rest because you can't go on. Here's what I love about it. Even if your rest is not intentional, if you'll stop, Jacob didn't rest intentionally. He stopped because he couldn't go on. And guess what? God still showed up. Because God shows up when you stop and give him just a, if you'll give God just a moment, he will show up. So don't miss your moment with majesty because you keep running so hard and God's going, man, hey, if you'll just slow down for just, just give me a second. If you'll just stop for a second, 
This is why, and I'm, I'm way off my notes here, but this is why it frustrates me that people go to sleep with their cell phones in their hands. Because some, some of the closest times that I am to God is at night when I'm just laying there with nothing happening. I'm just laying there in the silence and in the darkness, and God speaks to me. And I think sometimes things in our lives just creep in and try to fill up our brains. Hey, what if we just set our phones down and set everything else in our, else in our lives down and said, okay, God, here's some room. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to give you a moment to just speak into my life. He rested. And God always shows up in hard places. God shows up and he, he sees a vision. And on, on this vision, he sees where he is. He sees this ladder. And, and, and on the ladder, there's a ladder that goes up and there's a ladder that comes down. And there's angels ascending and descending off of this ladder. And God speaks to him. And I won't read the whole word that God gave to him. but We'll pick it up in verse 13. God says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. You mean in this broken place I can find a blessing? You mean there's a miracle in the middle of this mess? There's peace in the midst of this pain? There's hope in this hard place? Maybe where you are right now is a hard place. Verse 16, when Jacob awoke, from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. I wonder what you have access to that you're not even aware of. That you're, hey, you're sitting right now. You're in one of our locations. You're sitting. We call this place fresh life. Why? Because there's fresh life here. But even if you're not in a campus, you're, you're watching online, you're listening to the podcast, you are in the middle of a deluge of deliverance where you are right now. But you don't know the pain that I am in. You don't know the God that I serve. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. You, hey, every mistake you make, he keeps making mercy. That's what he does. It's new every morning. But you got to ask. you got to put it out there at some point. I love sports. I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a football fan. I'm a fan of sports. I used to ride bulls and saddle bronc horses in high school, and I, I, I just, I love sports, and, and um, I'm, I'm originally from a pastor in Texas, but I'm originally from uh, Louisiana, so by default, I am an LSU fan, and if that frustrates you or whatever, maybe an LSU fan has been rude to you at some point, I apologize, because there are some very rude LSU fans, but when we went to the, when we went to the national championships a few years ago to play uh, Clemson, um, I told my wife, when we, got, when we got into the championship, I told my wife, I was like, that's it. That's it. I've never been to a national championship. I am going to this game. We are buying tickets. It was in New Orleans. I was like, we're going to be there. I looked up the tickets online, and they were $3,000. I was like, we are going to watch this on TV. And <laughs> I'm telling you, I promise you, less than an hour later, my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law calls me. My brother-in-law, Daryl. Daryl, if you're watching, you are my favorite brother-in-law. My brother-in-law calls me, and he calls me Bill, brother-in-law. He goes, what's up, Bill? I was like, what's up, Bill? We call each other Bill. It's weird. We're nerds. He goes, what's up, Bill? He goes, hey, I just bought you tickets sitting right next to me on the front row at the national championship game. I was like, you are blessed and highly favored, you are, sir. <laughs> so we went, to, we went to New Orleans, and we're walking around down in the French Quarter before the game. And Jen looks at me, and she says, hey, do you, do you know anybody who can get us on the field? And I was like, no, but I know Instagram. And so um, I pulled out uh, my phone, and I put it on stories, and I was like, what's up, everybody? What's up, fam? What's up, Instagram fam? I was like, we, we're out here in New Orleans. We out here doing it big in New Orleans. This is the kind of stuff you see on my Instagram. It's dumb. And, um, 
And I said, if, anybody, if anybody's got access to field passes, hook your boy up, you know. And, uh, and in the middle of the game, I get a message on a post, like somebody just comments publicly, and it's kind of a lull, and I'm looking at Instagram, and uh, it's this girl, and she's like, hey, what section are you in? I see you're at the game. What section are you in? I showed it to my wife. I was like, hey, you might want to handle that. <laughs> hey, she didn't even slide in the DM. She, this is public right here. You, and my wife's a ninja. I'm just going to tell you right now. She'll cut somebody. They don't even know they got cut. And uh, she is country. And, and Jen goes, answer her, answer her. And I was like, okay. And so I told her exactly what section we were in. And then I kind of forgot about it. I was cheering. And like 10, 15 minutes later, this dude walks up in a black suit, black tie, white shirt, all access, VIP pass. He walks down and he taps me on the shoulder. I turn to him and I look at me and my brain starts processing. He goes, pastor. And I said, my son, how, are, how art thou? How can pastor bless you today? He said, he said, listen, my wife and I started going to Hope City in 2015, and he said, she just told me that you guys are here, and he said, God gave me a job in 2016 as a financial controller for all of college football, and we would like to give you field passes. Would you and your wife like to come down on the field right now? I said, let me pray about it. Yes, we would, and we went down and celebrated. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I had never met him. I did not know who he was. I did not know he was in the building, and I had no idea that he knew who I was, but I put it out there, and turns out I had a relationship that gave me access to a place that I never even dreamed that I could go, and you have access to a relationship that can take you to places you never dreamed that you could go, but at some point, you got to open up and say, God, only you can do this. Hey, that's why we pray specific prayers, so that we can tell it was God who did it. God came through. How else do we know that God did it if we just pray general prayer? Can I say something? Is it okay if I just get on a little soapbox right now? I'm screaming a lot. Kind of hurt my throat. If, if we, these people, oh, if you're one of these people, please, I love you. But if you're one of these people who constantly says, well, whatever God wants to happen will happen. Stop it. Read the Bible. That's not how prayer works. Do you believe that prayer changes things or God will just do whatever God wants to do? That's, that's not the way this reads. All you got to do is look at Jesus before he dies on the cross. He says, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. So he prayed his will. Then he said, not my will, but your will be done. We have to believe, if you believe that prayer works, then you have to pray that God will change the situation on your behalf, that God will come through. God, I need a miracle in my marriage. God, I need a miracle in my finances. I believe if you will, then God will. Some of us keep wanting God to give us a financial miracle without giving anything. Oh, mm, hello? If you, if you want God to bless, you got to invest. Listen, if you, look at, if you look at Jacob, Jacob is laying on the pillow, he's, he's laying on the stone, and the Bible says, Pastor Levi, I read this, and it just kind of freaked me out a little bit. It says the, the angels were ascending and descending, ascending and descending. Notice the order there. They're going up before they come down. 
I would have thought that God is speaking, they come down, and then they come up. But that's not the law of the harvest. You have to plant something before something grows. So they're ascending. Why? Because Jacob stopped. Because Jacob rested. Because Jacob gave God a moment. And if you will give God a moment, if you'll give God some of your finances, give God some of your energy, give God some of your giftings and some of your talents, then he will pour out a blessing that you are not able to receive or contain. But it's got to start with something you you got to get honest at some point. You got to get honest. Verse 17, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? I love that. This place? You mean, you mean coming out of 2020 when it was hard and I lost my job and I lost some friends and People got mad at me, and I went through a lot of pain. I'm not talking to my kids. My kids aren't talking to me. And I, I don't know what I'm going to Some of my hopes, my dreams. How awesome is this place? Yeah, that's what God does with hard places. He gives you hope in the middle of them. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Verse 18. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head. He's going to do three things. We're going to talk about him. He set it up as a pillar. He poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. So the first thing that we can learn from Jacob, if you're in the middle of a hard place, the first thing is make your problem a pillar. Make your problem a pillar. Now, if you were in this room right here where we are, you could look around and you, and you could see there's, there's, these, there's this brick veneer, but that's not what, what's holding the building up. What's holding the building up is these pillars, more than likely some type of steel behind. You can see, actually, you can see where the brick juts out just a little bit. Wherever you're sitting right now, you can look. If you're in your house, you can look and you see sheetrock. But that's not what's holding the building up. What's holding the building up is what's behind the sheetrock. And that's some type of metal studs or some type of wood studs or some type of pillars that are holding it up. And it doesn't look pretty, but it's been tested. It's been through some pain. It's been through some heartache. And now a builder knows how much that can hold. Sometimes you're going through a test because God's trying to expand your ability because he wants to bless you, but he can't bless you beyond what he can test you in because you can't hold it. So, so at some point, you've got to learn how to make that problem a pillar and say, I'm not going to allow this to trip me up. I'm going to build on this. I'm going to look back. We're going to look back at this day, and we're going to say that problem and that pain and that heartache was the defining moment of my life, and that's what made me become who I am today. And without that pain, I would never be. That's how you make it a pillar. The problem is too many people make their problem a partner. And they just put their arm around their problem like, yep, this is who I am. You know, I'm with stupid. Stupid's with me. You ever met those people who can excuse their way out of anything? Like, man, I, hey, I'd go to the gym, but I need to lose a few pounds first. <laughs> I've literally heard people say that before. Like, hey, man, I want to go to the gym, but I'm on, I got to lose a few before. I'm a little embarrassed, you know. That's like saying, <laughs> I'm, I, you know, hey, I'd go to the hospital, but I'm bleeding. But I know people who say, hey, I, I want to go to church, but I get to get my life right first. You, you can't get your life right without Jesus. Let's get Jesus first and let him love you through your pain and your heartache and let that problem become a pillar. The second thing that he did, and you got to learn how to do this, you got to learn how to pour oil on the problem. 
He took the stone that had been his pillow, that had been the hard place, and he turned it up, and he made it a pillar. He made it something to remember, and then he poured oil on it. Now, what does that mean? Now, your pastor is one of the smartest guys that I know, so I'm not going to go deep into this because I'll look like a moron. Because he literally, like, we were having a conversation. We did a podcast together, and I said one thing about some type of obscure battle, and he gave me the whole history on the battle, <laughs> and then he, uh, then he applied it to Scripture. And I, and I literally looked at my team, and I was like, I quit. He can be your pastor, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> but if you look at the Scripture, if you study the Scripture, whenever anything, whenever you poured oil on anything, it meant separated for the Lord. We poured oil on the priest, and we said, hey, he's separated for the Lord. And so when he poured, oh, I hope you get this. He poured oil on the pillar, which was the problem. He poured oil. It signifies the pride. He pours oil on it. He says, hey, this is not mine anymore. I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm giving this to you, God. This is not my problem anymore. This is yours. In fact, I'm separating. This will not become my identity. I'm separating this for the Lord. The challenge with some of us is we're persevering and not progressing. You've just been holding on for a long time. How you doing? I'm holding on. You ever been around those people? How's y'all's marriage? Well, we still here. He's still breathing. <laughs> it's like, okay, those are people I don't want to learn from. At some point, you have to say, hey, I'm going to separate this for the Lord. I'm going to give this to God because I can promise you this. God does better work with it than you can. And if you'll get it out of your, God will not wrestle something out of your hands. He just won't do it. He'll stand there and go, I'm ready. I'm ready. And what if we poured oil on it and said, okay, God, I'm giving it to you. How do I pour oil on it? How do I, how do, I do that? Worship, through worship and through prayer and saying, God, I give this to you. Lord, it's yours Lord, I, I, I trust you when I can't track you. I'm, I'm just going to give this to you. I'm just going to worship. I'm just going to love you through this pain, through this heartache. Verse 19, he called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. You mean you can just change the name of somewhere? Like, I didn't know I could do that. You ever been in a city and been like, I just don't like the name of this place. I'm going to change it to something different. <laughs> Apparently, that's what he did. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Luz means twisted, separated, a departure. So he walked into this place, twisted, separated. It's a departure. It's all apart. Nothing is together. He, he had one night in a hard place and woke up in Bethel, which means the house of God. You mean I can go to sleep in Luz and wake up in Bethel and never change physical location? Yes, if you learn to do the third thing, and that is simply turn your problem into praise. You have to turn your problem into praise. I want you to notice this. He never moved from where he was, but he went to a totally different place. He was in Luz. It's bad. It's hard. It's broken. And he said, nah, I'm going to be in Bethel. You mean I can be in the house of God anywhere I want to be? Even in the hardest place in my life? Even in the hardest marriage, even in the hardest season, even in the hardest job situation, the hardest financial situation, I can still be in the house of God. Notice, God does not deliver him out of it. God steps into it with him. God did, God did not deliver. Remember the three Hebrew children? 
The three Hebrew children who would not bow down to the idol, and they get thrown into the burning, fiery furnace, and it's so hot that it burns up the guys that are throwing them in. I mean, it's a bad day. And they're walking around in there, and they're unbound, and they're praising God. And the king who threw them in there looks in there and says, how many did we throw in there? And they're like, we, we threw three. He says, yo. Actually, he said, low. 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 I see. I see fourth. And the fourth looks like the son of man. Do you know what I wrote in, my, in, the, in, the, in the margins of my Bible? How did he know? How did he, a heathen king, know what the son of man looks like? How did he know that God had showed up in the situation? Here's, here's how. Because the enemy always knows when God shows up in your situation. He's just waiting to see if you figured it out or not. I wonder how many of us are walking through pain, walking through heartache, and God is right next to us waiting on us to see that he's already in the situation that we don't think we can get out of. He's already in it. And they begin to worship and praise. And you know who delivered them? The king that put them there delivered them out of there and gave glory to God in Daniel chapter 4. It's written in its entirety by a heathen king. Because God will make the enemy deliver you from the situation and he'll have to give glory to God in the midst of it. we got to realize that God is on our side. He's on your side. Shift your perspective. Stop saying my marriage is a disaster and start saying it's a miracle. It's a miracle in the making. I know you might be going through fear and doubt and depression and anxiety and challenges right now, and all of those things are real. They're real. you got to open up and admit that I'm, I'm dealing with some of that stuff. But know that God will send an advocate. He already has. His name is Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with you, and he'll guide you. Bible says he leads us and he guides us and he brings all things to our remembrance. Now, I don't know how to manifest in your situation. I don't know how God will show up in your situation, but I promise you this. And somebody watching, you're watching online right now. You need to know this. God is going to show up today on your behalf. Just don't miss it when he shows up. I remember as a kid, my dad was a church planter, and we, we planted this church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I, I, I don't know, I was probably, I don't know, I was probably seven, and my brother was about nine, and, and it, it was hard. It was just, it was hard. We started with 13 people. It was brutal. And, and I remember a few years in, we probably had a couple hundred people, and, and dad, my dad is just the most encouraging guy. He's just, I mean, I was raised in a cowboy family. He, we, I heard cowboy up so much. Cowboy up, son, cowboy up. We can do cowboy up. <laughs> cowboy has all the time. You know, so he's just encouraging. And so... And so we were one night, um, I, guess, I guess we'd had a good Sunday because he was like, let's go eat. And uh, so we, we usually went home and ate pimento cheese and uh, fried bologna. Come on, somebody. When you pour, that stuff tastes good. And so we went to, uh, we went to Taco Bell. Come on, because you, you can feed a family of four for $4. And um, so we went to Taco Bell, and we were in Taco Bell. And we're standing in line, and there were some guys in front of us, and they were, they were, they were kind of, there was four or five of them. They were a little bit wild and you know, they were using foul language, and I didn't even notice it. I was a kid, you know, but my dad, he's a cowboy. It's like, hey, I got a lady here, my kids, y'all need to straighten up, but he didn't say it like that. He said, hey, fellas, hey, guys, God bless y'all. Hey, uh, I've got my wife here and my boys. If y'all don't mind, could y'all just tone it down just a little bit? And at that moment, like, there's a line in the sand now, and this dude turns around and looks at him and says, we're not going to tone anything down, old man, and you're not going to do anything about it. Now he's bowed up on my dad. Now my dad's about five foot eight, but he's all dynamite. Like if he goes down, he's gonna take at least two or three of them, but there's about five of them. 
And I was seven, you know, and I'm a bad dude, but at seven, I wasn't. I'm actually not right now either. Don't test me, okay? <laughs> Don't test me. I'll, I'll call down fire from heaven on you. And uh, we're, we're standing there. And before, before dad could even respond, before he could do anything, the biggest, I'm telling you, the, this is the God's honest truth. The biggest human I have ever seen steps out from behind our family. Like this, just this big, tall guy steps out and he, he just looms over this guy. I'm talking, he gets right, the dude's face is about right here. And he says, let me tell you something. You ain't going to do nothing to that man because he's with me and I'm going to be watching you the whole time. And if you guys mess with him at all, you're going to deal with me out in the parking lot. And then he turns to my dad and he goes, it's all right, preacher. I'm going to watch him. And he doesn't even order tacos. Who goes to Taco Bell and doesn't order tacos? You know who? A thug angel. That's who. That dude was a thug angel. Come, God sent a thug angel. He didn't even know my dad was a preacher. I don't know how. I don't know how God will come through in your situation. Maybe He'll send a thug angel to fight on your behalf. But I can tell you this: God will always show up. His word says He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll be with you till the end of the world, and He'll give you hope in a hard place. That's just how good He is. Stand with me all across all of our locations. I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. My hope is that you've been encouraged today. I like to have fun. I like to laugh. and I believe God has a sense of humor. And maybe today you just need a little bit of joy. Maybe you just need a little encouragement. I hope you've gotten that today. I love this church. I love your pastors. And I love you. But as much as I love you and your pastors love you and the church loves you, God loves you even more. And I believe that he's going to save your life today. And he's got you here watching to save your life. He sent this Texas preacher to tell you, don't give up. Don't quit. You can find hope in a hard place. And no, he may not deliver you out of every hard place, but he will define you in the midst of it. And he will be with you. And all you've got to do is ask him to be with you. So I want us to pray right now, wherever you are, I want us to pray. Can y'all just repeat after me? Is that okay if we just do a repeat after? Maybe, maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe you don't even know how to pray. You can pray this with me or you can pray something like this. Jesus, I need you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for my sins and you rose again so that I can live free. So in this moment right now, I repent of my sins. I give you all of the pain, all of the heartache, all of the guilt and shame and I receive your love, I receive your grace, I receive your mercy. And right now, I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give him an ovation of worship. God, you're good.